Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 208. What I want to do in the coming minutes is to take you to the night that Jesus was betrayed and the Passover meal. And I want to give you the setting, the context, to help you to understand the story, the Haggadah. And so if you would, use your imagination with me, and I'm going to try the very best I can with the words and the abilities that God has given me to be able to paint for you the picture of how they would have been seated the night that they all gathered around the table for that last Passover meal. Now, let me say to begin with that most Passovers were done in a home, but this one was different. Jesus, being in Bethany with his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, desired to have this Passover meal with his disciples. So the Gospel of Matthew says that he sent two disciples ahead to prepare the place because there was a lot of preparation for a Passover meal. Now, the Gospel of Luke says the two were none other than Peter, who was the leader of the disciples, and John, the youngest. And so they went to prepare the meal as they had done throughout their lives, so they knew exactly what to do. And Jesus had already made preparations, obviously, with someone that he knew very well and that was going to allow him to use an upper chamber, a big room, to gather his disciples so that they could be fed a Passover meal. Now, this is very important because the way that this was done will add to and help you to understand the story of this Passover meal that Jesus shared with his disciples. Because once you understand the seating arrangement, everything is going to become a whole lot more clear for you. Now, what you have to do is erase from your mind the Da Vinci painting of the Last Supper because it was nothing like that. The disciples would have looked nothing like that. They would have been seated nothing like that. That is a long rectangle table, much like a European table, and everyone seated with the master of ceremonies, Jesus, in the center, and the disciples on either side. That would have not have been the case. I want you to imagine an empty room now, and we're going to populate that room. First of all, we're going to bring in three tables and I want you to stand with me as the tables are placed around you like a horseshoe. You're standing in the open end of the horseshoe. This is called a triclinium. A triclinium comes from the word triclinae. Tri means three in Greek. Cline is the word for a couch or what we would call a chaise lounge. Very much like that. It would have been low to the ground. The table would have been low to the ground, each one of them. And so it would have formed a a three-sided setting where the table to your left, if you're standing in the open horseshoe, the table to your left would have been perpendicular with you, then the table to the right the same, and then the one in front of you would have been squared to you. And so just imagine it as a horseshoe that all of a sudden would be squared up and not tilting inward like the horse's foot. And you're at the opening. To your right, 
and to your left and in front of you would have been tables. Around the outside of those tables would not have been chairs, straight back chairs. They would have been couches, clinets, because they would have been lying down. They would have been reclining. To incline means to move towards something. To recline means to move backward from something. And so the idea is they were all in a reclining position. Now, this is very important because free men during the days of the Greco-Roman world were the ones that were reclined. The servants always had to stand throughout the meal. They had to stand the entire time. They were not afforded the ability to lie down or to recline. And so Jesus and his disciples would have followed the Haggadah of that day. They would have been telling the story that now they're living in a land that is free, and they want their children to understand that they may not be living in a free land under the Romans, but they are indeed free in their spirit. So they're reclining as free men. They're worshiping the one and true living God. And so they are all in that position to where they're reclining. Now, with you facing those tables, and uh, you're in that open end of that horseshoe that has now been squared up, you have a table to your left, a table to your right, and then one right in front of you. That is at the end of the horseshoe and the other tables. And so you have couches around those. And you would have had four people, four persons, On your left, you would have had four persons in front of you, and you would have had four persons to your right. They would have all been on their left side. They would have all been leaning on their left side, on their left elbow. And they would have been facing the table with their feet hanging off the end of the couch or the clinet. That would have been so that their feet could have been washed because they would have had their shoes off. Why? They were relaxing, eating as free men. And so that would have freed up their right hand to eat. Remember, they would not have sat down to a place setting with forks, spoons, and knives as we are and napkins rolled up nicely. No, they would have been eating a lot of this meal with their very hands or with a knife at best. And so here we have in front of us the seating arrangement. In a triclinium like this, it was the custom of that day that on the ends, that is, the first position to your left, would have been the trusted friend of the host. And that would have been the Apostle John. He also was the youngest. And there's a reason why he is the trusted friend and has the first position. And the reason that Jesus would have been in the second position just behind him. That's where the master of ceremonies or the host always sat. On the back side of him, that is the third position on the table, would have been sitting Judas Iscariot. He would have been the treasurer. That was the place of honor that night. He would have been eating out of the same sop bowl or broth bowl that Jesus would have been eating out of as the master of the ceremonies. So to your left, you have four men. You have John in the first position directly next to you. And then you have Jesus, who's the master of ceremonies. Then you have Judas, who was the treasurer. Perhaps he was given that position by Jesus. Maybe he took that position because he felt like he deserved it as him being the only Judean in the crowd where Jerusalem was located and he also being the one that was trusted with the money. Then you would have had, according to their importance and their 
fellowship circles, you would have had a fourth man at the end of that table, and then you would have had four men at the table just in front of you that all four men would have been facing you as you stand in this open horseshoe that has now been made into a square minus one where you're standing. And then you would have had uh, the table uh, to your right. And the positions that would have been nearest to you would have been the Apostle Peter. I'll come back to that. And then you would have three other positions. Now you say, how do you know that? Well, let's just look at the gospel account. First of all, we know where the host would have been. That was uh, the tradition of that day. We know that the person just behind him was the place of honor. And that would have been the third position. And then we know that the first position, the person immediately to your left as you're looking at this room, would have been John, would have been the trusted friend. Now, it's interesting that John, and we'll get into this in another entire podcast, but John was the youngest, so John would have asked the question. So he had to be close to the master. Not only do we know that he was the one and the youngest and the one that asked the question, but we also know that he and Jesus was very close because he is referred to in his own gospel as the beloved disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved. It was also this disciple with whom Jesus left the care of his mother, Mary, at the cross. John was there. He saw it all. He was a trusted friend. He stayed with Jesus unto the end. He did not scatter like the rest of them, but he stayed with the mother of Jesus to comfort her. And so he was indeed a trusted friend. Remember, Jesus knows all things. And so you have Judas on the other side. He had to be close. And so we know that from the scripture because Jesus dipped bread, that would have been uh, unleavened bread, and then he would have given it to Judas because that's exactly what he told John that he would do to the one who was going to betray him. And so he had to be close, and immediately Judas got up. Now, he was so close that when Jesus gave this to him, the others didn't know what was going on, and they said he must have gone to buy some bread. And so they were in very close proximity. Next, we know that Peter would have been in the servant position. He would have been in the first position to your right. Now, why would he have been there? Because that's where the door would have been. The door would have been to your right in a room where a triclinium would have been placed, these three tables and these three couches. And Peter would have been there because even though he was the leader of the disciples, obviously he was. This night, he was in the servant's role. He was going to be washing the feet. As a matter of fact, this is why he protested so when Jesus began to wash his feet, because he said, no, no, Lord, you can't do this. I should be washing your feet. He wasn't just saying that out of a sense of love and devotion to Jesus. He was doing that, yes, for that reason, but also because he was the one that was assigned to do that that night. He was the servant that night, and he was to see that everything went as it should. Also in that position, with him in the first position to your right, and John in the first position to your left, and them facing each other, remember they were all facing inward, and the ones on the left side would have been on their left side and on their left elbow, and they would have been like that all the way around the table because the arm that they would have eaten with and the hand they would have eaten with would have been their right hand, which was the dominant hand. And the hand, just like if you're right-handed, you eat with a fork or you eat with a spoon or a knife, whatever the case is, with your dominant hand. And so they would have been facing each other. 
And so this is why the Bible says that when everyone began, after Jesus said, one of you will betray me, they began to speak to one another. And you can imagine all of this going on. And the Bible says that Peter motioned to John. Well, he had to be within sight line of him to do that with none of the rest of them doing it. And, and the reason he asked John to do it, because John was right in front of Jesus. And so he just leaned back on his bosom and said, Master, who is it that's going to betray you? He would have said that very low, and then that is when the bread would have been given to Judas. All of this happened within sight lines of each other. It would have been low because, you see, everybody wasn't just silent. They were eating. They were talking. But why was it that it was like this? Why would Peter have been over there in that servant role? Well, do I need to remind you what happened right before the Passover? They were arguing and fussing about who was going to be the greatest among them. Was it going to be uh, the sons of thunder, James and John, that would be on the right and the left as their mother had come to Jesus and asked? Was it going to be Peter? Who was it going to be? And they were arguing. Jesus said, this is not for you to do. This is the way the Gentiles, this is the way the people who don't even know God act. It's not about who is the chief who is the leader, but the one that will be the greatest among you will be the servant of all. And so Peter, whether Jesus assigned this role or Peter took it, uh, somehow Peter ended up as a servant. And I believe that Jesus had said, Peter, what I want you to do, I, everybody knows you're the leader of this group. Now, I'm going to have John beside me because, as you know, he's going to be asking the questions and I want everybody to hear those, but uh, this would be customary and you know how close our families are. And so, Peter, I want you as the leader, I want you to sit over there as an example to everyone else. And again, I think this is why Peter so protested when Jesus, wanting to be the ultimate example, and it's hard for me to even speak these words to you without breaking down and sobbing, because emotion fills my heart as I realize the more I learn about this Passover meal and what it would have taken for Jesus to have gotten up and walked around. And when he realized that everything was given into his power, instead of taking a diadema, a crown that was rightfully his, instead of taking a sword in his hand, the spotless son of God, who would later die for your sins and mine, instead took a towel. The Bible says that when he realized that all authority was given unto him, that he took a towel. He took a towel and he took a bowl of water and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Why? Because it was not just enough ever in Jesus' heart and mind just to teach something and say th something to these people that he loved more than anyone on earth, that he had spent all of these months and years with, he wanted to show them what it was like. You see, this is what a true leader does. Not just with his mouth does he lead, but he shows by his life an example. And so I want you to just get a picture of the setting of that night. There would have been a great meal. There would have been a, a wonderful food. They were in a rich man's home. They were in a rich part of the city. And here was Jesus with his disciples, and they had been arguing and fussing after three years of him showing what it's like to be a servant. He realized they still hadn't got it, so he wanted to teach them one more time. That was all part of the lesson for that night. Really, that's all the time that we have for now. I've gone too long for On The Way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. 
Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.